Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to episode 31 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. In this episode, we will continue to turn the Big Blue Time Machine back just a little bit further as Oscar chats with Judge John Adams. Judge Adams came to the University of Kentucky from Rising Sun, Indiana, and we'll find out how he became interested in UK. And we'll even hear about how one future Kentucky coach actually recruited John to play out West. John Adams played from the years 1961 to 1965 and was a member of the Kittens team his freshman year. And we'll hear about his experience practicing against some older Wildcats, including Cotton Nash. You'll get an insight to campus life for the basketball team, and we'll hear about game day preparations back in the early 60s. John will also take us through his final moments as a Kentucky Wildcat and the bittersweet senior day ceremony. After graduation, Judge Adams pursued a career in law, and he'll tell us his most interesting case as a judge. And speaking of the law, what was Coach Rupp's rule about dunking? Judge Adams explains. Judge Adams holds nothing back in this episode, and what you're going to find out is that Kentucky basketball of the past was a whole lot different than Kentucky basketball today. The players may change, but the name on the front of the jersey stays the same. But the name you need to know for today is Judge John Adams. I'm Bo Robinson, and this is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. Rising Sun, Indiana. I don't think I'd ever heard of the name until they put a casino on the river probably, what, 20 years ago or something. I think 1995 is when Indiana put in the law that they could have casino gambling on a river. Is that right? If you had a, they had initially like five licenses they granted, and they, uh, Rising was one of them. And it was interesting because the, the, there's one in Lawrenceburg, which is just 12 miles up the river. and But they had to be on the river, and it had to be a casino, and they had to go out on the river before they could open up the gambling tables. So you loaded everybody up, moved you out in the river, you couldn't get off to a certain time. That's right. It's usually about an hour, an hour and a half at a time. So I didn't go there many times. So I did go one, once when that was the situation. So how was it growing up in Rising Sun? What kind of a community was it? Well, it was a rural community. It, it was a small town. It was like 2,500 people. Uh, it was the only town in the county. There were a couple little villages, but no uh, large communities other than Rising Sun and 2,500 isn't large, but the county only had 5,000 people. Was it a uh, farming community or? Farming. My uh, grandparents on my mother's side were farmers. My grandfather and his brother had adjoining farms, 100 acre farms each, and they, they farmed. And I, I didn't work on the farm with them. When I was growing up, I worked on a couple of farms as I got old enough to do that, but I didn't work on their farms. How big was your school? Uh, in my graduating class, there were 65, and that was the largest class that ever graduated. 
Now we had over 200, including they had the the eighth grade combined with so a little over 200. But so that was a pretty good sized class. And growing up, were there other sports? Were you a one sport person? Uh, they only had three sports available. Unfortunately, didn't have any sports for women. Uh, they either were cheerleaders or in the, in the pep club or the band. Uh, but I, they had uh, track and baseball, no football or any other sports at that time. Now, they've got added a lot now. They've got a lot of, of options available. What, what were your parents? Uh, what, did, what did your father do? My father worked uh, – for Golf Oil Company uh, for a while, and uh, that's the name of the past for yeah, some of these young that's people. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm not sure where, where it is now, but it was uh, uh, he was he worked in a refinery, which is right across the Ohio line uh, in in uh, Harrison, Ohio. And my mother worked uh, in an insurance agency in, in Rising Sun, and she also worked. They were building uh, what has now been. Uh, I guess being demolished, it was Indiana Michigan Power Company, which supplied electricity to northern Indiana and Michigan off in the Ohio River. And they, because of the convenience of having been able to bring in the coal into the, 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 that area uh, off on the river, they, they could store it there and then they would. Uh, but she, she worked in the, uh, the payroll office there. And then when that was completed, after the construction of it, then she went to work for a, a small insurance agency there in my hometown. Were there brothers and sisters? I had an older sister and uh, a couple of years older than me, and I have a younger brother. So being up in the state of Indiana, as we've talked about on this podcast several times, it seems like there's been an awfully unusually large number of Hoosers who's matriculated to Lexington to play basketball. You had a pretty impressive career, too. How was high school basketball how did your school fare in Indiana, which has been known for 75 years as being perhaps the state with the best high school basketball anywhere? Well, we, we were small, uh, as I've already alluded to. And, and uh, we the, the structure there is different than in Kentucky. It, it, they have a sectional, which means if you, you lose one game, you're finished, as opposed to here, which we comparable to the district here, except the district, you know, the, the winner and the runner-up go to the tournament. And then you would have regionals and then semi-state and then the state. We, we never won the sectional uh, while I was – and it was, it was tough. There were a lot of schools. Like when I was uh, in the ninth grade, I played varsity all four years of high school. And in the ninth grade, uh, there were like ten schools in our, sec- in our sectional. And, but the other were smaller than we were even. You, your stats your senior year are pretty impressive, particularly rebounding. Well, <laughs> we were playing against smaller teams. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you averaged something like 28, 29 points a game and 20 rebounds? No, it was probably closer to 20 or 22 points. I don't remember exactly now, but and, and about the same in rebounds. So, mm-hmm. yeah. When did you start thinking about uh, playing college basketball? Well, we, we lived in proximity to Cincinnati, and that was the era of Ohio State's good fortune and, and, and when they had Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek and uh, Bobby Knight was on that team, I guess. Uh, and uh, also in, in Cincinnati, they won a couple championships, actually beat Cincinnati, or beat uh, Ohio State. It's when Oscar was there. 
No, this was um, – he, he was there earlier. Early. I don't think he – I think they went to four Final Fours, but they didn't win it. They won two of them. Yes, they won the last two. Right. Of and, the that, they were and they had uh, Tom Thacker mm-hmm. and Larry Singleton and Paul Hogue and Bob Wiesenhahn. I'm, I, these names are just kind of coming to my head yeah. now. Uh, so that's been a, a ways back. Uh, but that, as far as your question, I, I, you know, we were we would follow that. And I, always, you know, I was fairly tall, uh, in in the eighth grade. I was six one in the eighth grade. But when I was a freshman in high school, I was I'd grown that summer and I was six six. I'm the same height now as I was when I was freshman in high school. So it's, uh, uh, you know, it would I, I was getting some recognition at that time, not great recognition. But then as a sophomore, I started getting a lot of contact because I was 6'6", and I had a pretty good sophomore year. So, You talk to people like Cincinnati, Indiana, Purdue, Vanderbilt, of course, Kentucky later on. Right. Uh, but, but you also got a letter from a guy who at the time wasn't associated with Kentucky, but he was before and then again. Joe B. Hall. <laughs> Tell us that story. He Well – there wasn't too much of a story to it. He sent me a letter, and I didn't respond to it. So. <laughs> but that was Regis. I guess he was a Regis. Yes, he was okay. Regis. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, of course, I I was not looking to go very far away from home, uh, you know, coming growing up in the country. and, and Denver is on the other side of the world. Yeah, I've never been to Denver. So, <laughs> But uh, uh, it would be different now because, you know, transportation was different back then. And, and exposure, you know, I was – telling somebody just a couple of days ago that somebody asked me, uh, uh, in fact, I was up at Alan Feldhouse's funeral and these people were from Maysville and they, we got, I got to talk with them. They knew who I was. And, and I said, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because when I was uh, growing up in, in, in Rising Sun, we, we didn't have much of a way of television. We had two channels, I mean, in, out of Cincinnati. But then when I got to UK, there still wasn't many basketball games on television. In fact, my senior year, I recall, we played Tennessee, and we were playing at, at, at Tennessee, and it was televised. And my wife was, my now wife, but she was my girlfriend at the time, was in a sorority, and they were, got, they were watching it on their television. And she said they couldn't even make out the numbers on the backs <laughs> of the shirts. It was so poor. Tell us a little bit about the, the, the recruiting angle because – to a Kentucky fan, with Ohio State being as big as they were in town at that time, Cincinnati being in four Final Fours and winning it a couple of times, and Indiana being Indiana, uh, Purdue being Purdue, which had some great players back then. Uh, how did you wind up at Kentucky? How did you get interested in Kentucky? Well, I'm, I'm not sure there was a uh... – a fellow from Lexington, and I, I, I can't recall his name now, but he he had he was in the uh, cement business. He supplied cement, and my uncle, uh, who was a big fan of, of basketball and of, of uh, us kids, uh, was talking to him, and, and he said, "Well, I want him to consider Kentucky." And so uh, he made he made contact with my uncle. And then uh, I think Coach Lancaster sent me a letter, maybe as a sophomore, and it kind of just followed up. They kept following up, and we came down for a visit. And uh, I just really liked it down here, and everybody was, was good to us. There was some really fine people around here that were, uh, you know, kind of guiding us around. J.D. Reeves. I started to mention was J.D. one of them. He was. He and uh, uh, Judge Angelusi was one. Uh, 
Now, when there were two Angelusies, Mondo Angelusi uh, and, and Ralph. And Ralph and Phil. And Phil. Right. I didn't know Phil or Ralph at that time, but I knew uh, Judge Angelusi, yeah. Mondo. And uh, I guess Mr. I think, A.D. I think Ralph was maybe a doctor, wasn't he? I believe he was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Ades, who had the, the dry goods company. Louis Ades, right. yes. And uh, uh, Bill Carl, who had an insurance agency mm-hmm. here. And these people were, in fact, some of them came up. We, we were playing our one of our big rivals, which was Lawrenceburg. And they had a really good team. They, they were undefeated until the last game of the year. And they had t- Ron Kennett, who came to UK with me, and Jim Caldwell, who ended up at Georgia Tech, uh, both went to – uh, you know, major schools, and Jim played professionally. I mean, he he was really a good player. And so we were playing them, uh, and they came up to, to see the game. And I had, a, I had a good game. Our team didn't do so well, but, but I had a pretty decent game. So, And uh, was you just decide on Kentucky, or did you narrow it to two people? Or I didn't, You know, I, I, I looked at uh, Purdue. My high school principal was a Purdue graduate. And so that was probably and, – and Vanderbilt. I, I looked at Vanderbilt. But it ended up being basically, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed our visit here. Don Heron, who was a minister at Southern Hills Church where I attended until – and still do uh, for, for, for years, uh, was, was very kind to us. And we went to, uh, to visit their church when we were down here. And so it, they, they just, you know, they just followed up on everything. And, and it became, the, the, to me, the, the easiest choice. You, you come to Kentucky as a freshman. Of course, freshmen did not play varsity basketball at that time. Right. And back then, teams tend to bill for peak runs at the championship. It wasn't even known as a Final Four back then. You you were always going for the championship. And and clubs would sort of build to a crescendo, and then you'd be through two or three years of rebuilding before you would have another great team as a rule. And when you came in uh, your first year, and there was a guy by the name of Cotton Nash here that you sort of played behind for a couple of years. And Cotton uh, – I think set the all-time scoring record up to that time. And lead me through a little bit of that, what, like what it was playing on the freshman team and then going into your sophomore year where you sort of – it's not like the one and done's where you come in and just play immediately one year and you're gone. Well, we had no expectation of anything but staying here for four years. N- nobody did. I mean, they were, they were very, if, if you left, you went – so you, you were really coming to school can, to get a degree, to be able to ha- get a good job and live the rest of your life. Correct. And if, if it worked out that you played professionally, which some of them did, like Cotton and Louis Dampier and Pat Riley and, and some of them, you know, that, that all worked out great. But we were uh, – uh, when, when we would we would come in, of course, the freshmen would, would scrimmage the varsity, and that was always interesting because we were talking about Alan Feldhouse. He used to beat my ears in. <laughs> he was a great fella. And uh, – but we had we had uh, we had a pretty good freshman team, and and uh, you may remember this, Oscar. Back back in the uh, that era, the, with when Dan Issel's team came in, they had thirteen scholarship freshmen and, and twenty five scholarship players. I think that was the year that they had uh, either six or seven Mister Basketballs. Yeah. You had one from Indiana, one from Ohio, one from Kentucky, one from Tennessee. One from Illinois, and I know they had one, Travis Butler, I think, from yeah. Alabama, who yeah. had something like 
48 points a game in high school. I don't remember him, but and, the, but, but, the, but that that was yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, but anyway, we we would we would scrimmage uh, the varsity, and sometimes we'd do pretty well. Sometimes they they put us in our place. <laughs> but we had uh, I think we had like 18. I don't know how many freshman games. 17, 18 freshman games. And uh, Don Rolfes, who was from Harrison, Ohio, we didn't play against them when I was uh, growing did, up. But he was he was a really good player. Did he have a brother that played? No, no, not that I know. Didn't. Okay. No. no. Now, Ron Kennett had a brother who was uh, on track scholarship. He was a high jumper, and, and, he, and he came here. But, you know, Don and, and Ron and I would ride back and forth from southern Ohio, southern, southern Indiana together on holidays. And, and uh, But anyway, we uh, going through that process, and, and at, of course, the sophomores, that's when Cotton was a year in front of us. Right. And he... He obviously was was going to going to start and play a lot, and I, I filled in some, not too much as a sophomore, uh, more as a sophomore than maybe as a junior. But then, when when he graduated, I was able to uh, you know, to, to fill the spot. And at that time, we had uh, our starting five. My senior year was uh, Louis Dampier, Pat Riley, Larry Connolly, and Tommy Cron. And then then I graduated, and they got good. <laughs> well, when you grant they they had they had the situation between I think Cotton and Dan. They're the four the three or four years where it was you and uh, Thad Jarrett. Is that right? Right. right. Yeah. 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 Uh in the in the uh, sophomore year you all were uh, sixteen and nine and uh, you you were just a year or two away. I mean, from having well, the quality yeah. guard play the it was two years from rough runs. Wait, wait, yes. Wait. Yeah. 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 And then and then your uh, junior year, um, pretty good, 21 and 6. And I didn't play much. <laughs> uh, well, I think Cotton was pretty much doing everything at that time, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, I, I, t- I told a story about uh, at, at an event recently. I was talking about Cotton, and I said, uh, you know, everything I <clears> – <throat> learned in college about basketball I learned from Cotton. Unfortunately, he didn't teach me everything I kn- he knew. <laughs> uh, and, and you go up to your, your senior year, and you're not starting. Cotton's gone. Right. And it's going to be the year before the big one. Right. Or the way it turned out. Because actually when they went in in 65-66, not many people thought they were going to be that good yeah. and and not to excuse ourselves but we had an, a really unsaid unfortunate set of circumstances terry mobley who had started a lot as a as a junior had uh, early in preseason had an injury to his eye in a, in a preseason pickup game we had and so he was delayed uh larry Connolly got sick during which he did and quite a few injuries yeah. and illnesses and it was it was very unfortunate i think we would have there were a few games there where i think we should have won but uh, without it any and of course coach rep didn't play much of a bench and if you were a starter you played if you if you weren't you, you might have got in sometimes so I, I would remember reading somewhere where tommy harper who came, I believe, from Winchester, Clark County. Clark County, yeah. And, I mean, he had some phenomenal scoring average, and it's almost like in four years. I don't even know if he got 40 minutes in in four years. No, I, mean, I don't think he played much. And, of course, you know, Tommy's a really he's – done, yes. he's done really well since. Yes, he has. <laughs> and uh, he, But you're right, you know, and, and that was sort of the way uh, Coach Rupp had things. So. Uh, 
your senior year, you had at least three outstanding games. You had your game against Georgia. Actually, there were back-to-back games against Georgia and Florida. The Georgia game was at home. Florida game on the road. Uh, you had 20 points and four rebounds against uh, Georgia, 102-82. You had 20 points and 14 rebounds against Florida. But uh, that may have uh, – how big a game was it uh, against West Virginia in the UKIT that year? I enjoyed that game. <laughs> I think I made mostly free throws. But, uh, but I talked to a fellow recently. I can't recall his name. In fact, he just passed away who, who played for West Virginia. You had 24 points and eight of eight free throws. Okay. Which you turned out to be a pretty doggone good free throw shooter. Your senior year averaged, I think, 83%. Yeah. We, we had – I think we had four players – uh, my senior year that had 80% or, or greater as far as free throw shooting. They could use these at Kentucky right Sometimes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the West Virginia game, what do you remember most about that? Well, it was a UKIT. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it might have it been the consolation game. Though, no, it was actually the first game. Well, the first game? Okay. Yeah. Then You lost to Illinois in a championship. Uh, okay. Uh, but Illinois had a really good team that year, too. Yes. So Ed, uh, Skip Thorine, I think that guy's name was, and uh, but uh, yeah, we that was uh, that was a fun game. You know, anytime you you win and beat a team like West Virginia, uh, it's it's always an exciting moment. Look, look when you, when you went on the road, tell me a little bit about a traditional road trip in the SEC. Uh, you travel by plane, boat. Automobile, train. <laughs> it was sort of like the movie. <laughs> no, it, we we would fly to most of the locations other than – we would usually – we would bus sometimes to, to Tennessee and to Vanderbilt. Uh, when we played – we would usually played Notre Dame in Louisville, and that was always a bus trip. But the rest of them we would fly. And we, we flew – people won't recognize it, it was Purdue Airlines – and Purdue Airlines had had some nice uh, outdated equipment. <laughs> was it DC three or DC? They had, I think, they were DC threes, but you could, you could still see the the Air Force emblem on the wings. And, <laughs> and I remember one time we were flying, and I looked over, and uh, there was snow coming in around the windows. And I said, I don't believe those things really very airtight. <laughs> but uh, when we would we would fly to. Uh, to Baton Rouge, play LSU. They were playing in the cattle barn down there. And at Auburn, playing the Quonset Huff. I don't know where you ever got down to the Quonset Huff. I never didn't make it there before they moved into yeah, their – Yeah. And Georgia had an old gym. And uh, Florida had the Alligator Alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, South Carolina wasn't in the league. Vandy had basically the gym they have now, but it's been redone. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Tennessee had Stokely. And uh, we played Tulane in an old gym there. And Georgia Tech, <laughs> you'll enjoy this story. Well, we, we played Georgia Tech until my junior year, maybe maybe just one year. And, of course, that was when Wack Hyder was the coach, and Coach Rupp and Wack Hyder did not get along at all. <laughs> and so we went down there, and they, their gym was was way down. A, we, in fact, we didn't even go to the dressing room at, at halftime because it was it was down a long causeway. I mean, it, it was downhill, and, and it was a ramp, and, and Coach Rupp said, I can't believe these engineers down here can't figure out how to put dressing rooms in the gymnasium. Because <laughs> they'd added them on after they built the gymnasium. <laughs> what was your most unique road trip outside the SEC? 
Oh, let me think a minute. We would we would play in St. Louis on occasion, and we didn't go to New York in it because it was wasn't too long after the situation up there that, that we got got them in trouble a little bit. So we and we went to Philadelphia and played Temple uh, in the Plestra, and that was that was interesting. But I'd say uh, those two. We didn't have many games outside the SEC that. Uh, Never did go to the West Coast. No, I guess St. Louis is far west. We ever went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the tournament, what what do you remember most about playing in NCAA tournament? Because I, I was noticing earlier that uh, I think twenty five was the most number of teams in a in the NCAA tournament during the four years you were at Kentucky. There was one year there was twenty three. There was two when there's twenty five. One when there's twenty six. So. Now you've got 68. Well, it was <clears throat> a totally different tournament because some of the conferences had direct buys in, or direct. They weren't buys if they won. The, if, they, if you didn't go if you didn't win the conference. So only one team per conference. One team per conference, and you had to win the conference. Right. And I, I vaguely remember it was old East, Mid East, Midwest, West. There was no Southeast. We were in the Mideast. You were in the Mideast, and I think the Big Ten was in the Mideast. Right. And you had the ACC and the old ECAC in the East. Right. You had the Southwest and the Big Eight in the Midwest. And then you had the original Pac-8, and it might have been the WAC, I'm not sure, but you had two major conferences that were sort of locked in, and you never had to play a play-in game. But the others had to play a playing game to get to you. You only had to play four games to win it. Yes, and that's that was one reason UCLA did so well. Besides being a good team, they only and they the, the, the teams out on the West Coast were compared well, to them were nothing. So the second best team out there almost year in and year out was but, Southern Cal, and they never got in the tournament because they finished second to UCLA. That's right. I was I was probably the second string of UCLA. Yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was that was correct. We we would we played the, the year that we won the conference was my junior year, and we played in Minneapolis, and we played Ohio, Ohio U, and they beat us. Now was that the old Williams Arena where Minnesota yeah, plays now? It is yeah. McWilliams Arena. Yeah, and uh, that the year before, Loya of Chicago had won it, and we played them, and, and that time you would play. The first round, if you lost, you'd play a consolation game. And we played Loyola of Chicago. And that was the team that had won the championship the year, of course, as I recall. Before we get away from the four years here, let's go back because you came in to play basketball at a very uh, controversial time with a football program. You came in just as John Ray was leaving. Not John Ray. Blanton Collier. Blanton Collier. And – Charlie Bradshaw came in with the so-called Thin 30. What do you remember most about that, given the fact that the games were played at Stollfield, literally across the street from the Coliseum? If I remember right, the teams actually uh, changed uniforms in the Coliseum. They may have. I I don't recall what their dressing room situation was. Of course, I remember – those guys, because they had the two the two football houses. They had the freshman football house and the, and the other football house, and 
a lot of those guys I still have some contact with because I go to most of the football games. And uh, there was a little unrest on the campus about that time too. Yeah, that was when the student unrest was either then or shortly thereafter. Yes. And but uh, those guys that stayed, uh, you know, have had had my uh, undying admiration uh, since that time. I mean, they they really put up with a whole lot of stuff that uh, today would be uh, totally unacceptable. Were, were, were you guys in basketball aware of it at the time? Not really. No. No, that was not something that was, you know, was anybody that had uh, none of the sports writers talked about or anything. So uh, as I recall, I don't remember them talking about it. So, um, What was the uh, most unusual experience you had, either at UK in a practice or traveling or whatever that comes to mind maybe every Christmas when you're sitting around with <laughs> the children there by boy? You know, you you got to let me tell you this story. Uh, let me give that some thought. Uh, I, I guess it would be, and it, it wasn't me that did it, but when we, one of the most interesting things that happened when we played in the Sugar Bowl, when my when I was a, I guess I was a junior, because Terry Mobley had a game-winning shot at the end of the. Uh, end of the game and we went down there to, and we went to the we'd played and, and and won the tournament and then we went to the sugar bowl and i hadn't been in a you know i'd been to uk but i hadn't been anything like they had down there that the old sugar bowl stadium and they uh and i don't even remember who was playing but it, it had snowed like six since inches six inches the night before <laughs> and they said well this is just unbelievable to have snow in new orleans at at uh, at this time of the year, you know, to have that kind of, of thing happen. And that was uh, kind of a, a unique thing to happen on, on a trip like that. Did, did, did you guys have much of association or interaction with the president like some athletes do today? I know when you were there, <laughs> uh, Dr. Frank Dickey was there. Right. What kind of a president was he? Was he considered pro-athletics? I know John Oswald later was considered probably the opposite of that but what was dr dickey like i think he was one of the finest gentlemen i've ever known he really because I, I know his son quite well frank his young son frank and i were classmates in, in college and in, in law school but dr dickey he he didn't he didn't get actively involved in anything because i don't rem recall him ever having to do anything from a standpoint of discipline or anything but he really took care of of the needs of the university, which was different at that time. I mean, it was smaller, and, and uh, he was very active in, in what was going on. But he, uh, we didn't actually have much interaction with him. So, Tell me what it was like as a player on game day. You get up in the morning. Let's say you're at home here in Lexington on campus. I guess you probably got some classes, but at what point in time does classes stop and game preparation go, and what happens during that period? Well, most of our classes were over by three o'clock because we we, we had about usually two thirty because uh, we, we would they would try to get us a schedule so we could go to practice at three o'clock. Oh, I'm hitting the table. <laughs> uh, and so I uh, at at uh, we would get up and and if it was on a, a weekday. Now, if you if you recall, uh, at that time the games were almost always on Saturday Monday. 
if you were on the road, you play one school like Mississippi and then Mississippi State on Monday, you know, Tennessee and Vandy or Tennessee and Florida or someplace like that. And so it was a totally different kind of uh, uh, day as far as what our expectations were. We would, we would get up, go to class. Uh, we would always have a pregame meal at around 4 o'clock or so. Bologna and pickle bologna and crackers, or <laughs> no? We, we actually we, they, they fed a steak. It was before the days of the of the spaghetti fed, so we would have a steak and uh, uh, maybe a baked potato, and everybody fought over the butter, <laughs> <laughs> particularly on the road. But uh, we would usually eat that over at student center, and then we would go uh, to the col- to the uh, coliseum, and uh, there was they had. Like barracks back in there, and we, uh, you know, rest for a while and then get dressed and play the game. Yeah. Well, what uh, what kind of living quarters did did you live in when you were here? Uh, did did you have a, a athletic dorm or basketball dorm? I know you didn't have an actual wildcat lodge as such, but did you live with regular students or were you off into a wing yourself? My freshman year, we were off to a, a wing by ourselves. Uh, and then that didn't turn out too good <laughs> for a number of reasons, which I won't. <laughs> oh, no, come on, come on, come on. Now. Well, there was there some mischief that went on at the end of the semester, and it was, it was a couple of guys who were leaving that year got, got in a little trouble. Left prematurely <laughs> well, before no, they, the they were Well, they were getting out <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. so <laughs> they didn't figure it was much, much to lose. But anyway, they, so they said, we're going to split you up. So for the next three years, I room with Larry Lentz, and Larry was it turned out to be a, a a player that stayed for the entire four years, and he became a pharmacist here, pharmacist here, and retired recently. So, most teams, most sports that has non-professional athletes, high school, college, there's always a good cop, bad cop. The bad cop is always the head coach. Did you have a good cop, bad cop? Well. Coach Lancaster was a little different than Coach Rupp, but uh, he 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 wasn't. Uh, you know, he was he was always encouraging. You know, Coach Rupp would would. He well, that's to, the good cop now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he 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 had he had his way to motivate you, and uh, but I you know I never thought that he was unfair to me. Now there was times when I wish he'd let me play more. Mm-hmm. And I think, because uh, I, very honestly, the kind of the point where you have this epiphany is that I remember my senior year, and I, I, you know, there would be times when you weren't, weren't doing so well and having problems. And so we would, uh, I got to this point where I said to myself, I don't care what he says to me, just let me play. Mm-hmm. And so you, when you reach that point, I think, you know, you sort of, you can just put tolerate about anything, you know. I know these last few years that I was around him here, he was, he was very, very emphatic about, like there was one person to speak and it was just him. And any other sounds had better be the squeaking of shoes on the floor. Well, that wasn't new, Oscar. <laughs> that was for four years. That's what it was. So, yeah, he 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 wanted you know when you when you took the floor, you weren't out there you know telling stories or you know guff on or or you know glad handed or anything. You, every every player had a ball, and you know, like the the senior the the, the uh, 
centers would go, they had some baskets on the side of the Coliseum, and so I'd go over there, and sometimes there would be an assistant that'd work with me and pass me the ball, and, and the other players would be out on the regular floor. How, how different was he uh, after a loss versus after a win in the locker room? Well, you can imagine that he wasn't real happy at that time, and I, I think his, his, his usual comment was, well, if we lost, well, they didn't do what I told them. <laughs> and if we won, he said, well, they did what I told them. <laughs> so I guess uh, when you're the head coach, that's, that's sort of what you want, what you want to, to happen. When you took the jersey off for the last time, I guess that was the last, the last game you played, which was, I'm assuming, was a loss. If you, well, no, you, you, you probably won. No, we won the you last won game. Your last game. Yes, we, we beat Tennessee the last game. Yes. but we weren't in the tournament. So That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, was that on the road or was that here? No, it, was, it was the Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me what went through your mind that day leading up to that game. In fact, knowing since you weren't going to the tournament that it was your last game and what it was like after you took the jersey off. Well, you know, I, I, I think you, you know, you, you go through a lot of stages of emotions. It's obviously, you know, you're, you feel like, well, you know, this is the end and I won't be about on this floor again. And uh, it's, uh, you, you, you kind of have a, a moment of, remorse and sadness you, you wish you'd have done better you wish we'd have been playing on but on the other hand you know you, you know that you know you don't have to run up down the floor anymore do you? so 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 after your last game and you graduate you marry a, a lady that you went to school with right tell me a little bit about your next few years out of college and how it led you to law school and then ultimately your profession of judging other people. Okay. Uh, I, uh, we got married the summer after our graduation and I'd, I'd had a couple of, I'd, I had an invitation to go up to Cincinnati Royals to talk to them. I had no intention of, of playing professionally. Uh, I, Scotty had this, uh, what at that time was the YMCA Jerry's team and I was going to play basketball with them and uh, and that that worked out fine we, we played for many years after uh uh we graduated but we did, did you happen to play on the team that had tom Payne the first year he was here i all? did yeah tell me a little bit about that well tom was uh on uh on he was he was ineligible but they cleared him to play with an aau team which was basically what we were but it wasn't under that auspices but it was an amateur team and it was uh, Tom and I think Jim Hurley from Transylvania might have been on that team and Scotty and I forget who else was playing with us at that time. But uh, Tom Tom was uh, unfortunately uh, had had a tough life before he came to UK. And he had the onus of, of being one of the first African-American, uh, you know, especially uh, at, at, at that level of, of his being – uh, you know, expected to, to do really well. And I think eventually he, he, he could have if he hadn't got in the trouble he got in. Uh, you know, a, a kind of a quiet kid, but he, he you know, he never, but, but, but he was a good athlete. And it was unfortunate for, as to what happened to him. So you spent a year with, uh, in a telephone business here? I worked for a year with uh, General Telephone uh, Company in a management training program. Uh, did a little, uh, of their em employment process 
for uh, for a while, and then when when I, I left in August uh, of the next year, I mean in August of '66, to, to uh, go to law school, and I worked. I went to law school for three years, got out, went to went to practice with uh, Scotty Basler for uh, a few years, but during and, that, and Scotty was the teammate that. Was here before you? Yeah, Scotty was two years in front of me. He was he was a senior when I was a sophomore, so we played together one year. And and just for our listeners' point of view, Scotty later become mayor of Lexington for several. Mayor years. of Lexington and congressman, and Con- uh, and he was in fact he was uh, one of the district court judges for a while too. So okay, for a short while. <laughs> and so you went to UK, got your law degree. Got my law degree, uh, practiced for a while. Then at uh, in nineteen seventy. Nine, I was appointed as district court judge. In the meantime, I had served as a traffic court judge, uh, and I worked as a public defender for a while, and, and all this was kind of part-time stuff. But then as a, uh, when I went to uh, district court, I was there for 10 years, and that's the court where you have traffic court and juvenile court and probate and small claims and all those courts. And after 10 years, I was appointed to circuit court. L.T. Grant had retired, and I got appointed to his position, and that's the court of uh, general jurisdiction. What's your most unique experience as a judge? I think that uh, I, I had I had one one case that, that I remember because it was it was a very important case. Uh, there was uh, a lady who had died in childbirth, and they had were alleging that there was some medical negligence involved she had three children the child uh, survived the surgery but she didn't and this attorney from Louisville and old father came down and, and and filed suit and for three weeks we tried this case eventually but her original plan was to try to uh, put in place a change in the law which was in regard to compensation for children which was at that time was not available and the only person who received compensation was the surviving spouse and so they got the law changed i didn't change it she did and the supreme court changed it and for the for the good reason and for the correct reason looking back at the college game when you played and it's playing now how how did how the rules change from when you played to today i mean you had no shot clock back then but what are some of the other rules could you dunk it then well yes and no (laughs) I think that's that was when they. Uh, I think Lou Alcindor got them to outlaw it. Right. I think initially we could dunk, but Coach Rupp wouldn't let us. Oh, okay. He said he didn't want anybody hurting their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and for most of us, that didn't matter too much. I could dunk. So, so Rupp had his own rule on dunking. Then. Right. And okay. so that didn't change a whole lot as far as the Kentucky's players were concerned. Uh, Three point shot was tremendous. The uh, five second count or the. Uh, yeah, the five-second count changed things. Uh, I mean, there there were a lot of uh, differences as far as the way the officials called the game. They went from two to three officials. I think you had jump balls in on types. Yes, yes. And uh, did you jump it up at each half? I don't. I don't remember to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now growing up in high school, this this was when we had the six-foot lane instead of the 12-foot lane mm-hmm. and that made a big difference because then later they changed the 
the, the positioning of the the defensive team underneath the basket got moved out one space, and uh, that made a big difference. But did you, you have, did you have three seconds in the in the lane back then? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but one reason they changed the six foot to twelve to twelve foot was I remember there was a fellow in high school that was about six ten, and he would camp right on that. And they could lob it, and he could jump up, and he because he was was about Close two about two two feet away, he didn't have to get in the lane. So, uh, but one of the, one of the biggest changes is the way the officials call the game. Uh, they went, went they said to three officials, and and I've talked to like Louis Dampier and, and uh, uh, some other really good players. I said if you guys could could carry the ball like they do now, you'd have been wizards. Because you know, you used to have your hand. If you had your hand on on the side of the ball, it was carrying, and so it makes a big difference. So. Well, you also had at that time period, uh, each coach could scratch two referees at the beginning of each season from not calling your games. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So. <laughs> How have the players changed from your era to this era? Well, they they play it year round. I mean, a lot of the guys that I played with played played baseball at UK even. I mean, like Randy Embry and Cotton Nash and Ron Kennett uh, all, all played. Uh, for, so so for, there's more truth to uh, Adolph having Harry to coach the baseball team just make sure the basketball players didn't get in trouble in the spring. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the one and dones? I think it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, 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 the system needs to change. I think there's pretty much uni- universal agreement on that. But the uh, and I, you know, I don't blame the players. I, 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 I guess if there's any any blame to be cast, it's in the bargaining agreement in the uh, in the NBA. I, they and they they didn't do it in, <clears throat> intentionally. I don't think. I think it just is an outcome of of what they decided to do. I mean, it wasn't done with the intent of of making one-and-done players, in, in my opinion. I want to throw you a few little one-line questions. Uh, most of the exciting moment, your biggest thrill as a player. I guess uh, the year we won the, the conference championship. Best game you ever played at Kentucky? That had to be the West Virginia game. The biggest disappointment you had? Uh, not being more successful in my own right. I, I, I thought I, I should have been able to accomplish more than I did. Best friend you made during your days at Kentucky? Well, my wife to start with. <laughs> I better say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I still have good friendships with Cotton and Scotty and Terry Mobley, you know, those three, uh, and Randy Embry, the ones I see more than anybody else. The best uh, player you competed against while in Kentucky? Clyde Lee, Vanderbilt. Best team you faced at Kentucky? I guess Vandy that year was was awful good. Is that when they had Clyde Lane? Yeah, yeah. Most hostile arena you ever played in as a Wildcat? Florida. Funniest thing that ever happened to you 
as a player. Funniest or funnest? Funniest. Yeah. Never had your jersey put on backwards? No. <laughs> oh, gee. I, I, I can't think of anything right now, Oscar. I just don't. Is there anything you would change if you had it to do over again as far as your career? Actually, no. Not at going to school or afterward or anything. You always can think back to things that you might have changed in a small way, but nothing in a, in a major way. I'm not unhappy with, with my life in, in general. I'm gonna, going to give you a few names of your teammates and people. Just give me three or four words or a line about how you remember them most. Okay. And we'll start out with uh, Adolph Rupp. Demanding but fair. Harry Lancaster. Uh, very helpful to players and uh, sometimes uh, the, the best friend you could have. Neil Reed. Great friend. John Likens. Another good friend. Happy Chandler. Great leader. Go to some players now. George Atkins. He lost. He lost his uh, his way, uh, and could have been a great player. But George liked to have fun too much. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Doyle, great friend. Roy Roberts, another great friend. Scotty Basler. Well, he was. I was in his wedding, and he's still a good friend of mine. And. Uh, we we didn't practice law together. We shared an office, but uh, you know Scotty's always been a, a really uh, gentleman. George Critz. George Critz. Critz. Saw George at uh, Alan's funeral, and uh, George was probably one of the players that, if he'd gone to a, a smaller school, could have been very successful. But he he was just not. He didn't fit right here. Tommy Harper. A very talented player who probably got went to the wrong school, too. Charlie Ishmael. Tilly was one of the better players on our, on our team when I was a sophomore, and then he, he got, uh, got suspended. He, he's uh, a real quality fellow. Frank Tully. I, I, you know, I don't remember Frank too much, but I just remember uh, he was he was on the team. But I haven't seen him since college. So. Gene Stewart. Gene's a good friend. Uh, I, I see him occasionally, and he's uh, a very good lawyer in, in Brookville, Indiana. Larry Lenz. Larry was my roommate and uh, became very successful as a pharmacist and uh, uh, just a quiet gentleman. Ron Connett. Ron Kennett is uh, Ron is Ron Kennett. <laughs> he, he he's a, he's a good fella, and and he'd, he'd do anything for you, and is a, a really good friend. Brad Bounds, 
I haven't seen Brad in, in a long time, but Brad, Brad was a talent that uh, probably could have been more successful somewhere else. Randy Emery. Randy was uh, a really talented player who uh, became a great coach and uh, is still doing very well as a scout for the Miami Heat. Larry Conley. Larry was probably the best passer I've ever seen. Terry Mobley. Terry's one of my better friends, and uh, Terry unfortunately had that, that injury and would have been uh, uh, probably all-conference if he hadn't got hurt. Pat Riley. Which sort of speaks for itself. He's, he's <laughs> been more successful in, in the, the coaching world than uh, anybody that has ever come out of here. Tommy Cron. Uh, miss Tommy every day. Louis Dampier. Louis was undoubtedly the best shooter I've ever seen. And a person that's been on our mind a lot here lately, Alan Fellhouse. Well, Alan was a quality fella who uh, was <clears throat> probably one of the better and most successful high school coaches and certainly came out of, that ever came out of Kentucky. Describe for me a little bit what it was like walking into Memorial Coliseum with a crowd. How did the crowd react to the teams game in and game out? Did they come early? Did they come late? What <laughs> sort of enlighten us to the difference in the crowd today at Rupp Arena and the crowds that came to the Coliseum? Well, they, they came to the Coliseum to come to the game. They, they come to, to uh, Rupp Arena to do all the preliminary stuff, and half the time gym's not, the, the arena's not full until uh, the game starts. You know, at, at the Coliseum, they would, it, would, it would be full you know, in some games way before the, the game we even went out to warm up. Give me your feelings as a alum, a former player, a Kentucky fan on the state of the program today at UK. The basketball program. Yeah, uh, I, I personally wish that uh, that we had more players from Kentucky, uh, but I also understand what what Coach Calipari is doing. That you know, you, you take the best you can get. Uh, I just wish we would build more of the kind of players that uh, were, were stay here longer, and that could contribute. You know, not just to fill the roster, but to contribute. And uh, I don't know that that's going to change unless they change the, the rules that we talked about earlier. One of the things that has built over the decades that's been sort of different, or it seems to be different, at least to Kentuckians than other places, uh, of who the greatest uh, endorser of senior night was Al McGuire on TV during his last years in the late 70s and early 80s. What do you remember about your senior night? Well, uh, And how did they treat it? Uh, similar to now. You know, we we didn't run through a hoop, but uh, they... they, they Rupp probably wouldn't let you pray you'd trip and <laughs> sprain an ankle. Uh, I, it was mostly just recognition. We didn't get a jersey. We didn't get anything of that nature. And that, and that was fine. Uh, you know, we... We had plenty of recognition, and, and, and the crowd was always very supportive at that time. So I, I, 
I mean, I, I, those times change and expectations change, but I have, I have no uh, regret about how we were treated. Judge, appreciate your time. I've enjoyed it very much. We learned a lot about Kentucky basketball in the 60s from you today. All right, thank you, Oscar. Thanks for listening to episode 31 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and his guest, Judge John Adams. For more episodes of Conversations, we provide them to you on multiple platforms to listen to anytime, anywhere. First, you can go to oscarcombs.com slash podcast and listen. For iPhone users, search iTunes for at Wildcat News and subscribe. For Android users, search the Google Play Store for at Wildcat News and subscribe. And we're now on Stitcher.com. You can download the Stitcher app to your mobile device and add at Wildcat News to your favorites. That way you can stream all of Oscar's conversations on the go 24-7. For more with Oscar Combs, you can follow him on Twitter at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson, and you can catch me on Twitter as well at Bo Big Blue. That's spelled B-E-A-U. Once again, thanks for listening to Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's. And as always, go Big Blue.